0: Attention, attention, all personnel, incoming podcast, this is MASH Matters, over and out. It's MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television series of all time. I'm Ryan Patrick, a big fan of the show, and this guy, of course, was on the show, Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff.
1: Hello, Ryan Patrick. I'm trying to get a cracked staff uh, in the applause department to work properly, <laughs> giving me some problems. Hey, it's great to be here. Aren't we excited? This is another episode. Which episode is this? Is it 340 or? 117. 117 episodes, yes. ladies and gentlemen. How about
0: Give that? Give me a break. Wow. And you know, we are so thankful for everybody who's been along with us for the entire run so far of 117 episodes, and you've all heard that open that we've used for many years. Uh, Recently it was re-recorded by our friend Sal I'm going to just jump right into this, Jeff. We have a comment from a YouTuber known as USA Veteran Retired. He says, love your show, but big favor, please. Over and out is an incorrect army communication. Please use something else as an intro other than that. remember. I retired as a U.S. Army chaplain major, but I was in communications first as a single-channel radio operator. Over means the message is sent, but the sender is awaiting a response. Out means the communication is ended with the sending of that message and no response is ever needed or expected. Using the two words together drove the instructors and sergeants crazy and could result in passing the four month long course more difficult. That said, Hollywood has loved the sounding of over and out since the late 1940s at least. That's just two cents of a retired 30 year army veteran with 22 years active duty regular army service that includes several major deployments to Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Iraq, and and Afghanistan. Thanks for hearing my rant. God bless. Wow. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Secondly, I had no idea. Over and out, I just assumed that was something that everybody said. I didn't know it wasn't a thing. Did you? No, I had no
1: idea. I, I Over and out seemed to just roll off the tongue, but gosh, if it's incorrect.
0: I think that we need to remedy this, so yes. let's just start the show over again. How about that? All right. All right. Yeah, let's go. Here we go. Attention, attention, all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Welcome back to MASH Matters, episode 117. Ryan Patrick alongside Jeff Maxwell. Jeff, I feel much better, don't you? I feel a lot better,
1: and I know now why I was feeling so crummy before. I'm so excited that I'm going to feel so much better now. Well, I already do.
0: It's just a feel-good episode. It is, yeah, it is. I'm sure we'll do something to stop that, but right now it, we're all feeling pretty good. <laughs> yes, we are. Hey, we've got a lot of new <laughs> questions and comments from listeners and let's just jump right in. What do you say, Jeff? I'm ready to go. Let's hear from Jim. Jeff and Ryan, you
1: guys have the most perfect podcast. Uh-huh. Well, thanks for writing. Okay, never mind about the rest of the junk. Okay, <laughs> never mind. You guys have the most perfect podcast. You notice I read that again. Learning so much about the greatest TV show of all times and getting so many laughs throughout it. My first comment has to do with the military accuracy. I recently watched season four, episode five, entitled, Hey Doc. The noteworthy part of this episode is Frank getting into a tank and taking out half the compound. Mm -hmm. The tank was brought there to scare off North Korean snipers as a favor for Hawkeye and BJ, helping the tank commander with a personal problem. Now, the tank commander was said to be from the 1st Cavalry Division, and he also had a big yellow black patch on the shoulder of his uniform. To be militarily accurate, there's two things wrong with that. First, the patch he was wearing had an actual picture of Private Igor on his shoulder.
0: (laughs) Now, I don't think that's
1: accurate. No, that's not. That's not what he said. No. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I go into the other line. Okay. First, the patch he was wearing was actually for the 1st Air Cavalry Division. I actually served in the 1st Air Cavalry Division in Vietnam from 1967 to 1968. And we used to go on air assault missions on Huey helicopters. And finally, the second problem was the tankers were not cavalry division. Colonel Potter was in the cavalry. They were an armored division. Now, this may sound nitpicky, but if you're interested in accuracy about details and Mash, those are the facts. The second reason I'm writing to you is probably something I'm sure you'll disagree as vehemently as I do. I came across Rolling Stone Magazine's choices of the top 100 TV shows. I don't know how often they did this, but I can only find two for 2016 and 2022. In 2016, MASH was in the 16th spot, and in 2022, it dropped down to spot 25. This is a travesty, since we all know MASH is the best TV series ever. The Sopranos seem to always be at the top of the list when we all know which series should always be at the top of the list. All right, Jim. Thank you. I get it. You're right. By golly, I don't know about all that cavalry stuff, and it's hard to say. <laughs> Can you say cavalry really fast?
0: Cal, cal-ari. I think if you try too hard, you like over enunciate the l, so it's calvary. Yeah, calvary. Calvary.
1: Calvary. Calvary. Hey, cal, my lady. <laughs>
0: So uh, first of oh, all, you know,
1: may I comment on on this little uh, issue about the Rolling Stone? Yeah, I, I looked up the uh, articles about the you know who runs from hundred down to one and who's the best show. Here is the one thing that they said about Mash, and I think this really says it all. That episode, speaking of the final episode of Mash, directed by Alda himself, remains one of the most memorable uniting experiences in American media history. Mm -hmm. So 10th place, first place, 19th place, it doesn't matter. You get that kind of a sentence I'm in. Yes.
0: So he's talking about the Rolling Stone list. Variety also just in the last few weeks released their list of the top 100 shows of all time. And MASH came in at number 24. Mm -hmm. Uh, And number 25 is The West Wing. And I'm sorry, The West Wing and MASH both deserve to be much higher up on that list. So Everybody has their own opinions. We're of the opinion that MASH deserves to be at least in the top five, at least, you know, shows like The Sopranos and The Wire and things like that. They always seem to get the number one spots. I think the, uh, let's see, on the variety, the number one was uh, I Love Lucy. Number two, Mad Men. Hmm. Number three, Sopranos. Number four, The Simpsons. And number five, Breaking Bad. Hmm. I agree with a couple of those, hmm. but I don't agree if those are bumping MASH to 25 and 24.
1: Yeah. And who's deciding these uh, numbers? You know, who's picking right. these? There are various people that are working for Variety or for uh, Rolling Stone. I don't know. How much do they know? Who are these people? We got to call them up and say, hey, what do you think you're doing, pal? May, may I clear one thing up? I forgot to do this in the very beginning of the uh, episode. I need to say something about, I talked about going out to dinner at, on New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. In
0: our last episode, you talked in about the last that. Yeah, episode. Yeah.
1: And I was so stunned, you know, it was a fixed price kind of meal. And um, nobody knew what exactly the price was. And we didn't care. And oh, boy. Yeah. And yeah. so then I said, oh, my gosh, I was stunned when the check came. And it was $800. Uh-huh. Well, just to be clear, that was not $800 for four people. Mm. That was $800 for two people. So I didn't know that. And not that that was, you know, we still can eat here at, at Maxwell's house. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you got 400 bucks a plate. That, that's, you know, that's getting up there for a
0: little. Yeah, a little, little high. Yeah. Man, you know what? Ramen and bologna is good for a month. So, you know, you'll be fine. Uh, you, look,
1: we got doggy bags. We took it home. So <laughs> it's
0: still, we put half of it they, in the freezer. Like gold plated doggy bags. <laughs>
1: They were they were in, in actual dogs, so yeah. they, were, they gave you the doggy, and you took it home, and you put it in the freezer. Uh,
0: uh, hey, uh, thank you, Jim, oh. for your letter and all the uh, clarification about the patch. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is when you watch MASH on the DVD, it's higher resolution, and so you can really zoom in and see some stuff that you couldn't see during the regular run, and if you look really close on the patch, I don't know if you know this, Jeff, if you look really close to the patch, it says over and out. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, so there's so many things wrong with that patch. Oh my God! well. Jonathan says, Hi, I am a listener from Israel. I am 53 years old and a MASH fan for what feels like my whole life. I had sort of a random observation from watching a recent episode, season four, episode three, it happened one night. I noticed something in the scene where Potter is yelling at a U.S. general to stop them from firing artillery over them because it was hitting the 4077th. The part I noticed was radar. Gary Berghoff was a master at reacting to the colonel's talking to someone on the phone, nodding his head, smiling, looking proudly at his colonel. It is a small detail, but great stuff. In general, as I am re-watching episodes lately, I have noticed how great Gary was. In some ways, the glue of the show, just like his character. Just thought I would mention it. I love the podcast. Keep it up. Thank you, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, You know, I love watching Gary in scenes because there are these little nuanced things that he does. You may not notice the first 10 times you watch the episode. But then all of a sudden you notice that he is making some little face or some gesture that is just so funny Mm -hmm. and so perfect for the character and brings so much to that scene. Just watch radar. If you're watching a scene with radar, and even if he's in the background, watch Gary Berghoff and see what he does, the little tiny quirks and ticks and everything he does that brings so much to that character.
1: Yeah. He's, he was fabulous, incredibly terrific, incredibly talented. You remember, uh, our tapes, uh, McLean Stevens that said, said he was the best actor on the show. Yeah. I know. And, and kind of if you watch it, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, hey, he is. And like you say, all these tiny, small things that he was doing, he was always present in that scene, whether he was the focus of the scene or not. Yes. He was always there and always being that character and being in that character in that moment.
0: I imagine, too, and you can speak to this, Jeff, on a TV set where you're maybe doing multiple takes. When you're doing take five, take six, take seven of the same scene, that's kind of hard to do to stay in it every time you're shooting that scene. Is that true? Not if you drink heavily. If you drink heavily, (laughs) it just seems to go right past
1: you. You know, you don't care. Yeah. Okay. That's your acting technique then. Yeah. For you kids coming up, (laughs) drink heavily in a scene and it'll be wonderful for you. (laughs) Uh, Oh, by the way, Jonathan's last name is Berghoff. I don't know if you mentioned that.
0: (laughs) I did not. I wasn't going to reveal that information. Okay.
1: Uh, Bram says, my question pertains to Larry Linville. He was my favorite MASH character as Frank Burns, and I have noticed in past episodes that it's mentioned how Larry never really kept in touch with the cast after his departure. Would Jeff be able to tell us how Larry was on set? Did he interact with the staff between takes? He seems to be a serious person in interviews I've seen. As a follow-up, I'm wondering if actors who are not in a scene would stand by and watch other scenes take place. It would be hard, I'm sure, to ignore the talent of the cast in their element. Thank you both for making the miles on the road a lot more enjoyable. Here's to many more episodes and no more liver and fish. (laughs) All righty. Well, Larry Linville was a really nice, pleasant, funny, friendly, warm human being. And I know he kind of does come off real serious on interviews, but sitting around the set, he was funny as hell. He had a great laugh. Uh, he could make other people laugh. And when he laughed, you could hear it, you know, (laughs) across the set. Hmm. He was a wonderful person. I, you know, I, when he was gone, he was missed. Uh, His energy was missed. His humor was missed. His acting ability was missed. So he was terrific. I learned a lot from him just watching him. Mm -hmm. When he and, and Loretta were in those scenes in Loretta's tent, you know, they were working in a thing like two by two. And they had all this physical comedy and moving stuff and had all this dialogue. And they had to keep that rhythm up and keep those characters going. And those two people doing those scenes were just incredible. And I I give tremendous credit to Larry Linville for allowing that and making that happen.
0: Yeah. In the same way that Gary would bring little tiny tweaks and quirks to his character, uh, Larry would do the same. Watch watch Larry Linville when he's in a scene. Even if he's not the one who is featured in the scene, he's reacting in a true Frank fashion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) The only way that Frank would react. He's all in. He's fully involved in the character and the scene. It's it's great to watch.
1: Yeah, and the question Bron asked: Did he interact with the staff between takes? Absolutely. Uh, he was one of the favorites of the staff because he was a real guy. You know, he was really down to earth. He wasn't kind of a pompous, you know, typically pompous actor like myself. He was really down to earth, uh, friendly with everybody, had a great sense of humor with everybody, and everybody loved him. Darn good guy.
0: So the follow up question you had there is: it, actors, if they're not in a scene, would they stand by and watch other scenes uh, being shot?
1: You know, uh, usually if the actor's not in the scene, uh, they have something else to do. Either go, you know, to the phone and call somebody, or uh, go get a baloney sandwich, <laughs> or go to a rehearsal for the scene coming up. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Unless there was a real specific reason for it. Not really. Hmm. Um, You didn't necessarily do that. I did it because I was a young whippersnapper and I wanted to see a lot of stuff. But most of the cast would sort of get through with a scene and then go off and do whatever they were going to do and wouldn't stand around and watch some other scene be shot.
0: Would that have made you nervous if they had been standing there watching you perform in a scene? uh no no okay no uh, it wouldn't have no i mean
1: when you get to that moment uh mm-hmm. you know you're kind of there and you're sort of uh experienced enough to not let it make you nervous gotcha so you just you're in the scene and you're doing what you're doing now when the scene is over and you turn around you see all those people go
0: oh my god what the heck
1: uh, <laughs> that may happen, but nah,
0: wouldn't be terribly nervous. No, because it would make me nervous as all get out. <laughs> yeah. I think.
1: Well, when if if you were on match, which you should have been, Ryan, you should have been on there. We'd have had a good time.
0: Interesting, you say that. There's a question about that coming up here very oh, very soon. All right. But before we get to more questions and comments, we want to take a break and say hello to our Patreon VIPs. We want to salute Private Scott Kackman. Private Julie Feldman. Private Aunt Robin. Private Dan. <laughs> That's, it. Private <laughs> Dan. That's it. Private Dan. Private Dan.
1: Not Uncle uh, Dan.
0: Not you know Aunt uh, Robin know and that. Uncle Dan. It's just Private no. Dan. Yep, selling a new series, and now from NBC, it's Private Dan, <laughs>
1: Corporal Eric Litchard, Corporal Jason Messick, Captain Mike Bacon, Captain Lisa
0: Fetzko, Captain Charlie Lipsit, and Major Abby Arakapudi. Thank you for supporting us at Patreon. You can support us as well. For as little as $3 a month, just go to MashMatters.com support. We got a message here, uh, and I'm I'm sorry, I forget who sent this to us, but it says, I love that you named your Patreon levels after army ranks, but you really missed the boat by not offering a level called Corporal Captain. Hmm. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Look, we were young, we were dumb when we put this together the first time. Do we want to rename, do we want to restructure Patreon? Maybe that's something we do in 2024 is just look at restructuring everything and renaming. And I don't know. Well, Corporal Captain, we'll think about it. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll consider it. Thank you. Also, our, one of our newer uh, Patreon supporters there, Scott Kackman, he says, I am honored to be in the ranks. I'm 61 years old, so I've been around MASH as a super fan my entire life. I'm in Ryan's camp as far as fandom is concerned, being able to recite any line from any episode. I drive my wife nuts sometimes. Luckily, she's a fan too. MASH parties in high school and so on. Now, what Jeff gave to me was this insight to watch every single episode in a whole new light from a different perspective to see, as you guys say, how the sausage is made, noticing the background, props, directorial styles, camp or soundstage, closeness of soundstage layout, et cetera, stuff I've seen over and over, but never was really aware of until now. Now I really dissect everything when I watch it. It's a fun twist. Thank you both for doing this. The most impactful episode on me way back when that changed the way I looked at the show was Gorilla My Dreams. I'll tell you why the scene where Mako is taking the girl Hawkeye calls him a son of a bitch Hawkeye and BJ take a step forward and the goons cock their weapons. That stopped 16 year old me in my tracks. I had never seen anything like that on TV before, let alone swearing on TV, which was pre-cable, but just the power of the situation. He says, maybe that's a podcast episode. What's your most impactful episode? Hmm, Interesting. Also, he says, I've never heard anyone ask why the hell they did not get Mildred Feeney to get the dang coleslaw. They tricked her into everything else. (laughs) Thanks again for all you guys do. Here's looking up your old address. Well, okay. Well, thank you, Private Cackman, for your support on Patreon. That moment that he's talking about was a big moment because that's the first time that that phrase was used on network television. And for it to be used and also for Hawkeye to use it was a big, big deal. Big stuff that show MASH did. Yeah, now it seems quaint. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> compared yeah. to some of the stuff that we hear on it tv does. nowadays
1: good old charlene writes to say i was going back and listening again while waiting for the new episode to drop and you said that you don't like the big red bird with fuzzy pink feet because it doesn't make sense which confuses me because it makes me wonder if you actually thought that the flying desk was a good idea or made sense hmm? <laughs> comments Give my best to Walter and George.
0: Ah, here we go again. Okay. So I know that we are in the minority when we talk about this, Jeff, because the big red bird with fuzzy pink feet is a uh, fan favorite scene with Mm Klinger. It's just one of my least favorite scenes. I think it's just so silly. And anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But does the flying desk make sense? Well, yes and no. So that is in the episode to Market to Market, which is like the second or third episode ever produced where Henry's oak desk, they are able to trade for some medical supplies that they need, but they're locked in Henry's office. So the only way they can do it is to use instruments to saw the back wall off of his office and then a chopper. Then they hook it up to a chopper and the chopper flies the desk off. So, you know, the concept of breaking down the wall, I think that's silly. Yes, I'm not going to contest that flying the desk away. I mean, helicopters fly. That's what they do. They do. What they didn't do is hook the desk up to a hang glider and put fuzzy slippers on it. Right. And then pretend that it flies. Paint the desk pink and then fly. Right.
1: Like, oh, no, 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 no. So there is a difference there, Charlene. There is a difference.
0: Plus the helicopter was real. Thank you. The helicopter really flew the desk away. Right. Right. Jamie Farr did not really take flight. No. He was against a green screen or whatever, and it was really bad visual effects to make it somewhat appear that he was flying away when he really wasn't. That, to me, is why it looks so silly, is it? It doesn't look real. No, it doesn't. Because it's not. But that helicopter flying that desk away is.
1: And we apologize to all of you who watched that episode and think it really is real and that he actually is
0: flying. Oh. We've now revealed the truth behind that. So, so sorry to all of you people. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Rick says, Hello, Ryan and Jeff. My name is Rick from Sumner, Washington. I was 10 years old when the original run of MASH aired on TV. My church had a camp near the Fox Ranch in the Malibu State Park. And in 75 or 76, I was able to hike into the MASH set and take some photos as no one was there at the time. I've attached some pictures for you to see. I love the Mashed Matters podcast, and I greatly appreciate all the behind-the-scenes stories as well as your great interviews with cast members. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Rick. And these pictures are amazing. They are. They are. Here he is, teenage Rick, standing in front of one of the tents. Yep. There's Rosie's. There's the latrine. Mm-hmm. There's the, uh, the OR, and then he's got a wide shot of the camp. So, okay, so I'm confused, uh, I guess, by this, because at the time, it wasn't malibu creek state park that owned it at the time right fox owned it it was the fox ranch 20th century fox owned it so did 20th century fox i guess just not have any security what's could anybody just walk into the camp i mean obviously rick did it that that's amazing to me that they were able to just walk into the the camp and there is everything
1: he could have a bunch of movie cameras with him and started his own series right set not paid a dime for the rental (laughs) of the uh, anything Yeah,
0: I don't know. That's amazing to me.
1: Yeah, it is. I don't know whether, I don't remember Fox having any security. I mean, nobody ever talked about it out there. But I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, and it's re- uh, You know, quite frankly, it's really fun for me to see these pictures. Seeing the swamp and then the uh, the OR behind it. That area was where everybody uh, huddled in when it was really freezing cold. Mm-hmm. A lot of the wardrobe was kept in that building, so a lot of people would come in and get into a lot of extras and stuff would come in and to uh, get dressed and a lot of makeup was put on there. They had heaters going on in that uh, building because it was cold. Uh, so everybody would freeze and shiver in that that building. And I that tin hut, you know, that roof is just I remember that so uh, vividly because it was really cold.
0: <laughs> it made it even that much colder.
1: It's fun to see those pictures though. I yeah, mean,
0: we'll we'll put the pictures in the show notes for this episode episode 117 at mashmatters.com. I like the latrine. You can see that it has a big sign that says, beware rattlesnakes on it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure if that is for the show or if that served a double purpose.
1: <laughs> Could have been. Yeah.
0: It's a good thing to know. <laughs> Mercy. Yeah, we'll, we'll post these. Thank you, Rick, for sharing these. I love these. Yeah, I mean, it's the you. same sets that we've seen and known and loved all the years, but you're seeing it just through the eyes of a kid who was there you know, with his church group or whatever. And yeah. I also want to know, how did he know how to get there? You know, nowadays, if you go to Malibu, creek state park they have maps they have signs that direct you but he was just out there walking around the wilderness yeah. and found the set i don't know how he found it
1: yeah interesting he says hiking the mass and take some photos as there
0: was no one there at the time yeah apparently you could just walk in there and do whatever you wanted to maybe it was during your hiatus you know summer hiatus i don't know it's wild
1: and maddie says hey my name is maddie I'm currently in school to become a behavioral health nurse for the U.S. Army. Wow, that's pretty cool. I wanted to say MASH was an important part of me growing up that I wanted to become a doctor. But as I grew up, I considered the nurses to be my personal heroes. I enjoyed watching these nurses do their jobs. This has inspired me to join the Army. I hope to join as a second lieutenant, and I'm earning a BS in nursing. Nice. Wow. Well, congratulations, Matty. You're doing a wonderful thing. And uh, go for it. Be good at it. You'll help people and do nice things and good things for good people. That's right. Congratulations. And certainly Loretta Swit talks a lot about this, her own personal experience of people writing to her and saying how much, you know, her character inspired her to become a nurse. Um, so it's really heartwarming to hear how impactful MASH was to people and, and how many careers <laughs> it's actually started. And still starting. Yeah.
0: Richard says, Dear Uncle Abdul, sorry, I mean, hello, Jeff and Ryan. I just wanted to tell you my MASH story. I started watching when I was about 13. My then sister's boyfriend, now my brother-in-law, was a big MASH fan and got me into the show, and I have not looked back. I am now just about 49, and I have basically watched multiple episodes every day since then. Upon watching them so many times, I try to watch the actors in the background and see what they're doing, their faces, etc. One of my favorite scenes is when Father Mulcahy sings with his wife. I think Alan has such a big, genuine smile on his face for Bill to get the chance to sing with his wife. I'm not at all religious, but I think Father Mulcahy is my favorite character. He just seems so down-to-earth and real out of all the characters. In no particular order, my other favorites are Potter, Winchester, BJ, and also how underrated Frank was. I also want to let Jeff know that I took after Igor and I am a cook and food server for a daycare. There you go, Jeff. There you go.
1: All right, Richard. Finally, somebody became a food server. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. I think you're number one or two. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: he does it for a daycare. You know? so Very similar to what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, very.
1: Well, good for you, Richard. If you need any tips, let me know. Hey, a quick shout
0: out to TF Tuna. <laughs> so if you go to Instagram and look for the username tuna.sgt, TF Tuna says, I'm a, I'm a digital artist and a big fan of MASH. I recently discovered your podcast and I really enjoy it. So I drew some fan art and I'd like to share it with you. I hope you like it. And they sent along some fan art. And it basically, it's very similar to the fan art that Kyle Hazard did for us. TF Tuna just puts their little spin on it. We'll include a picture of that in the show notes as well.
1: I like the rendition of my face. I look about uh, maybe fourteen, so <laughs> we look much younger. We look much younger.
0: I look me. much thinner too, which I appreciate. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Tuna. <laughs> thank you, Tuna. <laughs> I have some other pictures I'd like you to draw of me, Tuna, to make me look thinner. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send them to you.
1: Send him the one in, in the speedo, maybe. Oh, hey now, no, no, no. Oh. nobody
0: wants to see uh, that.
1: See. Bill writes. He says gentleman. (laughs) He doesn't know who he's dealing with. (laughs) I have been an avid fan of the TV series since I was eight or nine. I have seen all the episodes at least 10 times and I never get bored of them. Nowadays, it is difficult to watch shows on TV. The only station that I know of that still shows MASH is MeTV. The one show I really like is POV where the audience is shown the perspective of the wounded soldier. Not only was it groundbreaking, but also the soldier is revealed to be from San Antonio, where I have lived since 1980. Colonel Potter mentions that he trained at Fort Sam. Have either of you visited the Alamo city before? And if so, what were your impressions? And if not, you should visit the city. Well, all right. Let's get the car started. I'll pick you up about four (laughs) o'clock. We'll go to the
0: Alamo City. Let's go. Have you ever been to San Antonio? I have not. Okay. I have. Uh Now, when I was there, I was not able to do the touristy things. Mm -hmm. I was there for work. In my day job, when I'm not podcasting, uh, I'm earning money as a marketing guy. And I I have a client in San Antonio. So I've been down there twice. One time, it was a very quick trip. And the other time, it was raining most of the time. And so I didn't go down and do like the city walk and the, the Alamo and all that, which I guess the Alamo, from what I understand, is like right in the middle of downtown. When you think of the Alamo, you think of it being out like in a desert mm-hmm. with like rattlesnakes and tumbleweed yeah. no apparently it's like you know just downtown between like a walgreens and a sparrow or something isn't
1: the alamo a, a barbecue place now i thought it was they turn it into a <laughs> oh you drive through davy crockett comes out or some, i don't know something like that
0: right was it albert brooks that talked about everything was named after the alamo in san antonio so you had like alamo dry cleaners and Alamo, you know <laughs> yeah. i don't remember anyway i digress <laughs> Uh, bill uh, hey we have another bill i don't think it's the same bill, bill. greetings ryan and jeff i've been randomly listening to mash matters on youtube and really am enjoying them since you've done over 100 installments i've decided to start at the beginning i have a few comments and questions that i'd like to send along to begin what was your initial reaction when they made igor the primary bartender at the officers club i personally think it was a smart idea giving you more screen time one of my favorite Igor moments occurred in Morale Victory. Igor gets to finally vent about he has to take the blame and remarks for the disgusting food, and he only serves. He doesn't cook. Uh, we've talked about that. My favorite scene in the entire series is in the second season episode, Kim. It's when they show Margaret reading the three bears to the little boy while interjecting Korean words so he'll understand. It's such a sweet scene because you're not watching Major Houlihan, you're watching Margaret being very maternal with a young child. Loretta Swit looked as though she was having fun shooting that scene. In one of your first couple of podcasts, you joked about a version of MASH, and I think it was in Alaska, called Mush. I thought you might have been referring to the actual animated parody of MASH titled Mush, Mangy Unwanted Shabby Heroes. It appeared as one of several animated features on a very short-lived children's show called Uncle Croc's Block, hosted by Charles Nelson Reilly. If you're curious, there are currently episodes available on YouTube. Continued success with Mash Matters. Well, yes, there was a uh, an animated series called Mush. And yes, we'll put a link to an episode or two in the show notes. I recently made a purchase, and you can't see this, obviously, because it's a podcast. But I recently made a purchase of a VHS copy of Mush. <laughs> Nine episodes on this VHS. And kids, if you don't know what a VHS tape is, Google it. It's how your grandparents <laughs> used to watch television. Wow. Yeah.
1: I never saw that. I have never seen that. I will, I'm going to have to take a look at that because I have never seen this uh, animated series.
0: Well, you can rent my VHS copy of it if you want. <laughs>
1: okay. Just rewind <laughs> it when you're done. Uh, you know, I used to do a joke about MASH. We we're going to move it to Alaska yeah. and call it. Mush. That's what he's referring to. But that referred to Alaska and mush with dogs and things. So,
0: Well, this is dogs. These are dogs. Mangy, uh, what, what did he say? Mangy, unwanted, shabby heroes.
1: Well, yes, but they're not in Alaska. They're not- uh, I
0: don't think they are, but again, well, I know I see snow, so maybe they are. I don't know. I have, to, I have to do some more research on mush, I guess. Here are some of the character names. Bullseye, Trapper Yo, Sonar, Colonel Flake, Major Hank Sideburns, Cold Lips, and general upheaval.
1: Well, I don't know. We're going to have to look at this because if it's actually in Alaska, then I thought that maybe my joke was just ridiculous.
0: Well, maybe you can sue the estate of Charles Nelson Riley <laughs> for taking your idea. Got Charles Nelson Riley. Earlier in this question, Bill asked, "What was your initial reaction when they made Igor the oh. primary bartender at the officers' club?"
1: You, you're asking my initial reaction? Yeah. Oh, okay. My initial reaction was Yep. <laughs> um, pretty much that's what it was. I mean, certainly if I was uh, made the uh, a bartender. However, I don't think I was actually then the permanent bartender because I think during the series and along the way, there were other people that sort of showed up.
0: Klinger was in there quite a few times too. Clinger did. But you yeah.
1: were in there more often than not. Yeah, that's true. That is true. They never actually like did a, a an event and said, Jeff, come over here. We'd like to talk to you. <laughs> you are going to be the permanent bartender. Do you understand what we're dealing with and how much responsibility
0: you have for this?
1: Yeah. Do I get more money? <laughs> and then they said,
0: no, no, go away. But you get to wear a really nice Hawaiian shirt. Hawaiian shirt. Yeah.
1: It was fun. It was fun behind the bar. It was fun doing that. It was a lot of fun. What were you really pouring? Uh, gin. Gin um <laughs> <bourbon>. <laughs> i don't know i never tasted it so i i really don't know probably water or some yeah i would think liquid. it was just colored water colored something yeah yeah And Amy says, hi, from Hamilton, Ohio, I found your podcast recently and am binging as I work as a middle school custodian. I'm only at episode 70. Of course, I skipped some and listened to the interview episodes, then went back to catch up. (laughs) I apologize if this has been asked, but Ryan, if you could put yourself in any episode, which episode would you like to be in? And do you have an idea of what kind of character you would like to play? I see you in a scene with Igor because of the way Jeff and you are with this podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to read this. I expect to hear it on an episode in a few years when I'm all caught up on the podcast. (laughs) If I'm honest, I don't even expect an answer because I know the volume of correspondence you receive.
0: Oh, good. I'm relieved, Amy, because now I don't have to answer the question. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you have to answer the question, Ryan. You've got to answer this. It's not fair. Amy's written okay. in. She wants to know.
0: All right. Well, Amy, that's an interesting question. It's really a hard question to answer. What episode would I like to be in? Do I have any idea what kind of character I would like to play? So are you saying take an existing episode and sub me out with one of the actors playing in that episode or adding a whole new character to that particular episode? Let me just say this. I thought about this. Here's a couple of episodes that I would like to be in. I would like to be in War Correspondent because I had a mad crush on Susan St. James. (laughs) (laughs) To be able to just be in the same breathable air with Susan St. James. That's why I would want to be in that episode. I would like to be in the episode Too Many Cooks, because then I could eat Private Conway's excellent cooking. And then, so I thought about this as an actor... Because I I would never assume that I would be a a series regular. So I would be a guest star and I could come in as Roy Dupree in the episode Temporary Duty. That's the episode where George Goober Lindsay comes to the 4077th and Hawkeye goes to the 8063rd. I could come in and play Roy Dupree. Hmm. I get to be annoying. I get to frustrate the bejeebers out of BJ and Charles. I get to uh, ride Sophie for a few minutes and then I'm gone. That sounds like a pretty good guest stint for me.
1: I think you've answered this very succinctly and completely. And you were trying to weasel out of it for a minute there. I know. I think think you did a really good job. Yeah. It would be great if we were in a scene together. That would be fun. If you came in as a guest actor and we had some kind of scene, that would be a lot of fun. We're going to have to do a remake of MASH and make that happen.
0: Amy also said, Amy uh, skips over some of the episodes. I do the same thing. In fact, I've pretty much skipped out of this entire episode (laughs) (laughs) to this point. Uh, Episodes of what? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Okay, this is from Brigid. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Brigid? Brigid. My guess is Brigid. Okay, well, let's go with Brigid. Okay, and if I'm wrong, I'm so sorry, (laughs) Brigid. Hey, guys. Huge MASH fan from Australia. My dad even mentioned my love of M.A.S.H. in his wedding speech at my wedding. Anyway, currently re-watching for about the 20th time, watching with my youngest son, who is 13, and watching for the first time. He is already a fan and researching different aspects of the show and looking things up on the internet. Jeff, he has a question about the third season episode called Bulletin Board. He wondered how long it took to film the tug-of-war scene, and if you did more than one take where everyone falls in the mud, and how long it took for everyone to get the mud off of them. Love the podcast. Cheers, Bridget and Rory. Now, Rory, I'm pretty sure I got that name correct, but <laughs> Brigid, Brigid, I'm sorry.
1: Maybe it's Brigadier. Maybe it's a
0: short- Ah, there you Brigadier. go. Okay. So, <laughs> Jeff, what do you recall about the tug-of-war scene?
1: Not a darn thing.
0: All right, moving on.
1: <laughs> I, I say that kind of as a funny, but it isn't too funny. I remember it happening. I remember doing it, but I do not remember how long it took. Usually what happens is they will film a shot- right up to before something happens, before you fall into the water and do that. So that they have that scene shot. So it's in the can, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then if it's a close up of somebody falling in the water, then they'll do that. So they would shoot the whole master first, but right up to the point that they go in the water and then they so cut. And then they move the cameras over close up and somebody would fall in the water. And that's the way they do it. So the whole thing would be shot first, right up to that point, And then they shoot the close up of that action. How long that took? I, I honestly don't remember. It was well,
0: a Part of it for you is that you were one of the lucky few in that scene that does not go into the mud. Absolutely. You stay clean. Almost everybody else goes in the mud.
1: It was in my contract. I said, <laughs> Maxwell stays clean. <laughs>
0: I don't work dirty.
1: (laughs) Uh, Erland says, hey, Ryan and Jeff, this is probably a long shot, but I thought I'd give it a go anyways. First of all, I really enjoy your podcast. This is not meant as a question for your question and answer episode, but it is more of a personal thing. I have a podcast on history, which is called Well That Aged Well. Oh, that's cute. I love MASH, of course, and as a massive history buff, you should see my bookshelf, I find the Korean War fascinating. I have, of course, after I finished MASH, read Dr. Appel's biography, An Army Surgeon in Korea, which is a brilliant insight into a real-life MASH unit. You should read that book, by the way, and I'd love it if you do an episode on the real MASH units, which brings me to my question. Again, I realize this is a long shot, but do any of you know any historians who study real MASH units? Because I would love to do an episode on life during the real MASH myself on my podcast. I'd be happy to get any help as this would be a fantastic topic to cover. Well, do we Have we got anybody we can refer to Erland and help him out?
0: Not necessarily. That's why we're putting it here on the podcast. I know, Erland, you said this question wasn't really for a Q&A episode, but hey, too late. We put it in here because I thought it would be good just to put it out to the uh, MASH universe and see if anybody out there knows of anybody or if somebody listening is an expert about real-life MASH units please reach out to us. We'll, we'll put you in contact with them.
1: And if Erlen, you get somebody and it works out for you, it's only 2,500 bucks to uh, Ryan and Jeff. Right. Do we take
0: payments or Visa and MasterCard. He referenced a book called MASH, an Army Surgeon in Korea by Otto Appel Jr. I just recently purchased a copy of this book. I have not read it yet, but I look forward to reading it because it's uh, basically a firsthand account of life in a MASH unit in Korea. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that someday. I I have about 37 books on my nightstand. (laughs) So one more here. All right. This person asked to be anonymous. Hello. I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of years now. Honestly, during COVID, it was very well-timed that I came across you while also getting back into the show after many years. Both were such welcome distractions. I grew up, like many of your listeners, an avid fan of the TV show. I was 12 years old when the show ended and can still remember watching the series finale with such mixed emotions. Largely, I just hated to see it and all the people I loved go. I cried every time Henry died and every time Radar went home. I wanted to go to Paco's in Toledo and thought about how Hawkeye, Trapper, and Charles probably did all meet after the war for dinner in Boston. Colonel Potter and Radar also didn't live far from each other, and I'm sure they got together a few times in the years after the war. If there was ever a full MASH reunion, it would have likely been at Colonel Potter's funeral in the 1960s. Just some thoughts. I watch MASH now thinking back to when I was a kid. As a young boy, my parents argued a lot especially around grades two through five. Those were some tough years in some ways, not every day, not every month, but just often out of nowhere. And when it did happen, it was rough. But when they argued some evenings, I was typically watching MASH reruns that were on as well as the regular weekly episodes airing. To cope, I would escape into them. I can recall how I would ignore what was going on down the hall from my room to live what was happening at the 4077th instead. The next day at school, I would be working in my classroom and imagine I was in the operating room. At lunch, I was eating in the mess tent. When I went to church, growing up Catholic, Father Mulcahy was saying Mass. In some ways, that show saved my life. Not literally, of course, but figuratively, it really did. It was a big factor in me getting through some times that were rough for a kid and eventually got better, and I've never said that or written it to anyone before now. My wife and kids will poke fun at their now 51-year-old husband slash father watching this same show over and over and over and over again and still finding it both so funny and dramatically and emotionally compelling. But I have really appreciated your podcast as well and enjoyed it. You do a great job and some of the topics and guests you're able to get are so good. I lived in LA from 1989 to 1998 and I kick myself that I never went out and saw the ranch. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate what MASH has done for me and what it continues to do for me. I know you understand.
1: Wow. My goodness. You know, what struck me here is this sentence. uh, I can recall how I would ignore what was going on down the hall from my room. Uh, That's a chilling statement. Yeah. To hear from somebody who was a a young person and to have that vividly in their brain, vividly enough to write it down today in 2024 is, is pretty stunning. So I, uh, I'm, you know, people are history buffs, I'm a psychology buff. So knowing that that was such an event for that young person, uh, and what that did to that young person is kind of a it can be a disturbing thing, or it can be something that was uh, actually a healing moment, what happened to him later. But to not want to hear what's going on in the room down the hall is a is a chilling moment to hear. Yeah. And so the fact that MASH was able to help that is just a, another wonderful compliment to the program that your brain could go into a place that was more productive and healthier than what you were apparently living with. So. Thank you for saying that, and thank you for being brave enough to say that to us. Uh, my, it's really
0: appreciated. Well, that's it. What? We're done. That's it? Thank you, folks, for reaching out and sending us these great messages, and I would say voicemails. I'm just now realizing that we didn't do any voicemails in this episode.
1: Wait a minute. Here's one. Here's one. Ryan This is Bobby from Tantorio I was to
0: say you guys are the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. And if you ever stop, I'll just die. So keep doing it as long as you possibly can. Thank you. Well, thank you for those kind, kind words. If you would also like to leave a voicemail just like that fantastic voicemail right there, call and leave a voicemail under three minutes in length at 513-436-4077. It may be featured in an upcoming podcast. You may also reach out to us mashmatterspodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, whatever Twitter is being called this week. We're on YouTube. (laughs) You can listen to episodes on any podcast player. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can buy merch at mashmatters.com slash uh, something store. I don't know. Just go there and (laughs) click store and look. Okay. So last week we talked about how I haven't been feeling well and how I've been medicated. I'm still not feeling great. I'm still medicated. I'm still... Still nowhere near my A game. I think I'm up to like L on my way back up the alphabet to A. I'm sorry.
1: Bear with me. Well, you're doing a good job, even so. And after this podcast, I'm considering getting medicated myself. So <laughs> there you go.
0: The next episode is really going to be a doozy then. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you All so right. much for tuning in. And until next time, here's looking up your old address.